Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus, where we discuss marital and family relationships. I'm your host, Gary Moore. Today we're going to begin a very interesting journey. We're going to look at intimacy in each of the four marriages within a marriage. We all have a deep desire and longing for intimacy. And at the same time, we all have a deep fear of intimacy. See, intimacy is basically a paradox. It builds both separateness and connectedness. The only way I can be intimate with my spouse is if I'm truly being myself and she is truly being herself. Our intimacy increases as I'm able to become more fully who I am, and she is able to become more fully who she is. You know, we've all heard it said that in marriage, the two become one. The follow-up joke has always been, well, which one? It usually only takes a few months for it to become obvious which one. Laura Pearls, one of the founders of Gestalt Psychotherapy, said, In a traditional confluent marriage, the spouse is not a significant other, but an insignificant same. This is a description of many marriages where personal identity is lost in the merger. Two people can either marry or they can join. When people join, the separateness between them is ever-present. True intimacy is found by linking, not forging. Intimacy paradoxical as it seems, is increased by our recognition of separateness, not by our denial of it. Here are at least three paradoxical aspects of intimacy. One, a person needs to be separate in order to be close. Two, the ones we love have the greatest power to hurt us. Three, we must seek comfort and healing from those we hurt and who hurt us. Strange as it may sound, These three paradoxes are central to intimate marriage. They are the puzzles of closeness, crisis, and reconciliation. Only separate selves are intimate together. In order for one to be close to one's partner, one must become their own separate self. Separation and togetherness are usually thought of as an either-or situation, but that's false. They are best understood as a both-and situation. We are both becoming more separate selves with a clear sense of identity, and we are both able to come together without fear or reservation. We are both distinct as centered persons, and we are both fulfilled in our blending together in shared emotional experience. So both distinctness and connectedness, union and separation, two-ness and oneness, both self-identity and marital unity are central to intimacy. Family therapist Carl Whitaker has written, As two people live together, then they grow closer together and farther apart at the same rate. This is a weird kind of business, but the closer they get, the more separate they are. If they don't grow more separate, they can't grow closer. If they can't increase their individuality, they can't increase their oneness. Dr. Augsburger says, To truly be intimate with someone, you can't have any requirements governing appearance, compliance, or performance. Availability, presence, and integrity of covenant are all that is required. The commitment to be there for the other and with the other is what brings us together while recognizing our covenanting selves as separate, responsible people. This kind of commitment is not without fears. Uh, Dr. Augsburger lists five major fears blocking intimacy. One is the fear of merger. 
If we move closer, I will feel engulfed, absorbed, swallowed up. So I've, I've got to be on guard. The fear of exposure. If we move closer, I will feel undressed and embarrassed, exposed and shamed. So I must be closed when close. Three, the fear of attack. If we move closer, I may be attacked, injured, penetrated, violated. So I must be cautious. Four, the fear of abandonment. If we move closer, I may open myself only to be left hanging, risk myself only to be ignored or rejected. Five, the fear of one's own destructive impulses. If we move closer, I may not be able to control the anger I feel or the disgust at parts of you that I try not to think about. As I become more and more at peace with myself, my fears of being absorbed, exposed, attacked, abandoned, or explosive go down. My confidence that I can safely and freely be my whole self in your presence rises and grows. It's then that I can risk being spontaneous, not knowing what will come out, but trusting it all the same. You see, intimacy makes us vulnerable to both hurt and love, to both invasion and rejection, to both invitation and affection. Luciano and Beth Labate describe this paradox this way. Hurt and caring are intrinsically interwoven. We oftentimes give those we love a license to hurt. Functionally speaking, we are rarely, if ever, hurt by strangers. Hurt and fears of being hurt only result from the intensity of close relationships and not from superficial or transitory relationships. Hence, there are feelings that relate to our vulnerability in a caring relationship. We can all be let down, betrayed, deceived, rejected, and abandoned. Intimacy is the courage to be vulnerable, the necessary strength to be weak together. You know, there's no way to avoid hurt in a relationship, although we should try to minimize the possibility. Being vulnerable as one fallible human with another means that hurts are inevitable but not irreparable. We will be hurt by each other if we live with each other. Since both pleasure and pain are essential to being alive, we must learn to handle our hurts to enrich our joys. In fact, in working through our hurts, we deepen our love. When two people move into each other's inner world, there will be misunderstandings, mistakes, and misfortunes that hurt. That's why the mutual understanding I keep talking about is so important. With mutual understanding in the four or five areas that I've found to be the most important, you'll minimize the number of ways you can be hurt. Well, we always hurt the ones we love, yet we also can be healed and helped by those we love and who love us. In fact, think about this. Perhaps we can be healed only by one whom we have hurt. Marriage is that strange and puzzling relationship in which, paradoxically, we need to seek comfort from the very person who has been party to our hurting. If we cannot share our hurt feelings and allow the one who has hurt us to comfort us, we are endangering the whole relationship. When we have hurt each other, we must also be the agents of healing. Going outside the relationship for healing is a temporary process at best. The feelings of fear, pain, hurt, anger, and the anxiety about further hurt all need to be shared if the relationship is to grow. The natural temptation is to ventilate these feelings in complaints about the past or in predictions and expectations about the future. Doing so only intensifies the hurt and drives the two people farther apart positionally while enmeshing them emotionally. Both of these movements are in the wrong direction. Think about this. 
Reconciliation occurs when we separate emotionally and move together positionally. When it is clear that I will stand with you no matter what, and that I will recognize and honor your right to your feelings, then we are remaining in contact while respecting each other's uniqueness. And Dr. Osberger says that understanding is the secret of the healing relationship. When I am hurt, I'm helped by those who stand with me in genuine accepting presence, but do not seek to fix my problem, clarify my confusion, or heal my pain. Real healing comes from within, and those we love can call out that healer by being an invitation to reconciliation. Intimacy is the sharing of hurt feelings, the acceptance of the one who is hurting and the working through of the hurt that lies between us. Deeper intimacy cannot be achieved only by sharing the positive and bonding experiences. If there's no resolution of negative and alienating elements in a relationship, there's no growth. All admiration and adulation does not create intimacy. It nourishes fantasy. All resentment and irritation has little to offer either. When my full self can be known and validated, I am able to experience closeness with less and less facade. Intimacy is composed of not only the three paradoxical elements that we've just explored, but of many more. Intimacy has a history. It is a sustained, lasting commitment with a stable duration over time. Intimacy is also a peak experience, a moment of close, joyous ecstasy. Intimacy has stability. It is a constant, trustworthy fidelity. Intimacy is also negotiable, adjustable, open to change and growth. Intimacy is self-giving. It is self-serving and even sacrificing for the good of the other. Intimacy is also being oneself. It is discovering oneself in relationship. Intimacy is caring. It is accepting and affirming the other. Intimacy is also differing, confronting, and conflicting. It is caring and confrontation, anger, and love. Intimacy is openness. It is transparency and self-disclosure. Intimacy is also privacy. It honors secrets, respects solitude. Intimacy is growth. It is exploring, unfolding, and becoming. Intimacy is also relaxation. It is ease and comfortableness. Intimacy requires time. It does not grow if not given time to develop. Intimacy requires intense bonding. There must be moments of ecstatic welding, sharing, and celebrating. Intimacy requires clear understandings. If the covenant or contract is unclear, one-sided, fragile, or easily terminated, the closeness is limited. If it cannot be renegotiated in new circumstances, the trust is blocked. Intimacy requires empathy that embraces each other's thought, feelings, and actions. Intimacy requires self-disclosure by both parties, yet it also respects the autonomy and self-direction of each. It offers and welcomes transparency, yet it also respects and celebrates solitude and privacy. Intimacy recognizes the reality of death, of human finiteness, of frailty, and of fallibility. Even though these are all paradoxical elements, both sides are necessary for authentic intimacy. You see, intimacy is not one state to be achieved once for all. Instead, it differs in each stage of marriage. And next week, we'll continue in looking at intimacy within the four marriages within a marriage. Well, thank you for being with us today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. God bless you. Have a great day. Talk to you next week. 
Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.